the Wrong Side of the Red Line Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Ryan, how was your happy how was your happy Thanksgiving? Hopefully happy. It was good. It was good. I ate lots of mashed potatoes. I actually ate a res- I ate a responsible amount at dinner. Um and then there was a pie kind of buffet. And that's when all responsibility went out the window. Yeah, so. that's um I made the ill fated mistake of getting seconds on everything. See, I never get seconds on everything. See I got seconds on mashed potatoes, stuffing and gravy. I actually didn't go seconds of turkey. Oh, I like turkey too. That's usually I'm I'm in the same boat. That's usually the last thing that I go for in terms of seconds. Yeah, and so I was, as I said, I was really responsible during the actual meal, and then there was pies laid out, and there was pumpkin pie, there was <laughs> apple pie, there was pecan pie. There was there's just too many pie options, and I had one of every pie. And of course, you need to have ice cream with every slice of pie. Yes, let's just put it let's just put it this way. I was planning on taking the whole weekend off from working out because the rec center was closed because of fall of not fall break, uh, Thanksgiving break. And I ate so much food that I felt it necessary to run outside in 35 degree weather on Friday. That's how bad it was on my end. (laughs) That'll do it. That'll do it. Well, I mean, I think transitioning to the Dallas stars, I think, I think one of my favorite quotes and comments was, uh, so Friday was black Friday. After the day, stars played it the day after Thanksgiving and won two to one against Vancouver. And uh, Radic Fox has said, "Well, maybe I should eat turkey before every game." Yeah, he should. Yeah, he scored. Go Radic. Yeah, Essel and Dell had a goal and an assist. So, um, there's a lot worse things you could eat as a pregame meal than other than turkey. I would think there are. There's a uh, that could be. A, there's quite a long list of other crap you could eat that wouldn't be good for you. Speaking of which. I've always wondered, I don't, this probably isn't the platform for this, but this is something that irked me this weekend. We had a, like a high school hockey tournament at the ice arena mm-hmm. here over the weekend. Why do parents let their kids eat crap like McDonald's and Buffalo Wild Wings before an athletic competition? Even if it's not like high level, even if it's like youth t-ball, why are you taking your kid to eat all the swings between playing baseball games? laziness it's like wouldn't you think that they'd pack like a turkey sandwich and some apple slices or something like dude your kid's gonna crap himself running from first to second base <laughs> i just that, that hit, in, in hindsight maybe it was after one of the games that this team came in but that was something that i kind of had long thought about and because whenever we get youth sports tournaments all their parent we get just crushed with all these parents and teams coming in. Just see Buffalo Wild Wings between games. I've never understood that. That I just needed to get that off my chest. If someone can provide me an answer for that. Well, to be fair, to be fair, a 12-year-old eating a cheeseburger before running around is much different than you or I eating a cheeseburger than running around. 
That's true. The last time, like when I, I mean, granted it was rec league, it wasn't even anything serious, but when I used to play organized hockey, I couldn't even eat before games. I'd have to eat like, I'd have to eat stir chicken or something and it'd have to be like six hours before or I would vomit. I mean, I remember even when I was a kid, though, I was a kid though, kid though, we had though, we had the rule, but it was kind of like, if we're going to eat before the game, you're going to eat, make sure we eat half an hour before we leave at least. Right. And eat something light. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you're, I guess I never thought about that, that when you're 12, that you could probably eat an actual garbage can and be yeah, fine. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. That well, makes sense. Yeah. Well, back to the uh, reason people actually listen to this podcast now, <laughs> the, uh, the Dallas Stars, who are getting ready to play uh, in about two hours against St. Louis. So once again, we won't have the result of that game in this podcast, but I don't think it really changes Anything that happens tonight, I don't really think is going to change how things work because most important thing we're going to discuss right now is for the second time this season and just the second time in the past five years, Dan Hamwees is a, is a healthy scratch. And probably rightfully so, I would say at this point. Agreed. If we're basing things on the last five, six, seven games and not merely contracts. That is the big thing that you have to keep in mind. There are contracts that people consider when they make roster decisions, and that's uh, that's one reason that he probably would have stayed in the lineup, um, but he has not been good. He had been playing lately with Julius Honka, and Julius Honka has been a nice been a nice little jolt to this lineup and done really well, but Hamwees wasn't, really, uh, wasn't really providing... He wasn't really even providing that that calming veteran presence that hold on, the dog's about to bark. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, never mind, that was bad. Okay, we can continue. <laughs> um the uh he hasn't even been causing causing bringing that calm presence that you would have expected him to bring. Um it was not very good against Vancouver. Um the one goal against he got turned inside out on. Um and then you have Patrick Nemeth who's sitting up in the press box, and you have the first end of a back-to-back tonight. You play in St. Louis and in Detroit, um, and you need to have Nemeth playing. It's the same reason they sent Stephen Johns to the AHL, and he was—they needed him to have him playing. He played back-to-back games, and Stephen Johns has returned, and he's not in the lineup tonight. But I wouldn't—I would imagine Johns may be back in the lineup tonight. And at first glance, when they kept Johns out of the lineup tonight, I thought. I thought they might put him in just to reward him. But the other thing, the other thought, which Lindy Ruff actually made this morning about Johns, and it's actually a fair point, is if he comes in and plays tonight and plays well and you have to keep him in the lineup tonight, that's four games and five nights for him since he played back-to-back this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Which, And I actually agree with, I agree with that sentiment where it's, you know what, maybe it's he's a guy who's not bad. You put him in the lineup tomorrow night against Detroit and see what he can do. Now, yeah. Now they could win, and he couldn't change, and he could not change the the lineup at all, which he's done in the past. But well, it's 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 interesting. Now the stars are getting to a point where they're probably still a week away from getting Johnny Oduya. They might get him earlier. They might get him a little bit later. He's not on the start of this trip, um, so he's definitely not in against Detroit or St. Louis. And he could return, and he could join the team for the second the second two games of a four game road trip. Um, but they need, this is the time where 
they really need their defense to define itself over the next four or five games and set itself up for the rest of the season, honestly. I think it's I think what the stars are hoping for right now is that a young guy either wins or loses a spot. If he wins a spot, we start talking about other circumstances. How would how do you move a veteran? How do you move another guy? If he loses a spot, well he goes to the AHL. And we're talking about a Honka or a Lindell who have played very played very well lately. Um, it's it's kind of time you want your you want your defense to find itself because you don't want to be asking the questions we're asking right now around game thirty, around game forty. Right. We're kind of getting to this point in the season now where you're kind of going to want to start solidifying an every night lineup and not necessarily playing musical chairs on defense, not because you have to because guys keep getting hurt, but because guys aren't playing well because you have once Oduya comes back legitimate nine legitimate options that you could play on a given night so you're right about that and I think what doesn't help matters at this point is I mean one Johnny Oduya got hurt so that gives them an excuse to call up Julius Honka Mm -hmm. and he's acquitted himself pretty well I'd say through his first couple of professional games he's as advertised he's John Klingberg with a little bit more of an edge. I think I read an article. I don't remember exactly where or what, who wrote it or what medium it was, but it was kind of comparing John Klingberg to Julius Honka. And basically the point of this article is that there's two different types of puck moving defensemen. There's, I don't forgive me because I don't, this was like a week and a half ago and I turned my brain off over the course of Thanksgiving break, but basically the gist of this article not quoting it verbatim was that there's puck movers and there's puck pushers in the sense that there are defensemen who are offensive because they are able to make good outlet passes out of the zone to get the play moving forward. And then there's guys who take that into their own hands and skate it up ice. And the gist of this article was saying John Klingberg's more of a guy who's a puck pusher while you have a guy like Julius Honka, who's a puck mover. And we saw that a couple of times in um i don't remember who they were playing but you know he skates the puck up the zone he gets around the four checking forward and he's able to make something happen from that regard yeah it's so that's it's definitely complicated things as well as the fact that i think jamie alexiak's probably paid, played two of the better games of his nhl career these last couple of nights as well yeah and then slm is playing i mean now he has he's getting on the score sheet to show for it but he's also been playing pretty well since yeah, it's the last three, four games. You have, as you kind of said, you have. Uh, if you want to make it, simplify it to, you have puck car- You have you have puck carriers and puck passers. Almost, it's that's if you want to look at it that way. Where there's the guy who comes up to the blue line and looks for the stretch pass, and there's the guy who comes up and looks the blue line, his own blue line, and tries to carry it through the zone. It's uh, it is it, it's 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 a lazy trait that I think lots of us get into where you classify guys as one must be like the other because they have one thing in common. For example, you say, oh, well, Julius Honka and John Klingberg are both puck-moving defensemen and right-handed, so they must be the same player, and they're not. I think you look at, there's other little things about their game that are very different. Uh, uh, one thing Honka does fundamentally that I really like about his game is how he uses his, he's smaller, but he uses his lower gravity and makes it harder for guys to establish position in front of the net. That's something that Klingberg doesn't do as well. That's something where Honka does a better job defensively first. And I know it's kind of weird for me to be saying that about the 20, soon to be 21 year old rookie, 
but it's but it's a fact kind of and that's the re but that's one of the reasons he was a such a high pick as he was um you mentioned Lindell and I think he's a guy who I think he's kind of that perfect foil to play with John Klingberg honestly I think you look at at long term and now I think he's a guy who can he can pick his spots when he needs to offensively and while John Klingberg may disagree with me that he doesn't need to play with a defensive-minded guy, Esselindell is a guy who can allow him to freelance and create a little bit more um, without having with, and you don't have two players trying to do that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you have a guy who kind of understands that he's the second partner and the, he's the second who's willing to play second fiddle in the pair. Um, I don't know. I mean, Dan Hamhuis has always said, and he's talked about how he's fine playing with young defensemen and everything like that, but it's not, but he's not the main, when he was playing with young defensemen in the past, it was more in a tutelage, more in a, this guy's going to be good in the future. The reason him and Klingberg didn't work out very well, I think, is because he had to go and play a role that fit Klingberg. It wasn't a young guy trying to fit his role to play with him. Right. You're trying to find someone to play co-pilot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're at a point right now, and you know we'll ask this question. I'll ask you first, and then I'll and then I'll come back with my answer. If you're and this is the tough spot, and this is what I think everyone can can pick apart Lindy Ruff as much as they want, but it's tough. If I told you right now, you had to pick six guys to play the next five games. <laughs> considering no, cons, no, I know, and I'm going to answer too. Considering considering Johnny O'D, if and we'll do it before O'D is healthy and after O'D is healthy. If I if I had to say, okay, you're going to this four game road trip, and you have to pick six to play all four games. Who do you pick? I think this is something before I answer this question that I think every stars fan listening should sit there and do, because I've seen a lot of people the last couple of days throwing questions at Mike Heike on Twitter, trying to have him explain this. And he's basically said, this is a really tough situation that Lindy Ruff is in. And it's, it's, I mean, it's no, a no win situation because you're going to pick a group and inevitably someone's going to have a bad game because that's just how things work sometimes. And then everyone is, crawling all up you saying well why'd you play Patrick Nemeth tonight instead of mm-hmm. Dan Hamuse or anything like that I mean it's you can't win in that situation and yeah and when everyone you, when you phrase it when you look at it this way it's I couldn't tell you I mean there's a million different ways to go about analyzing it and everyone has their, and the other thing too about it and this is just you look at the feedback and is everyone has you can make cases for all eight guys and that's the thing that's mm-hmm. most difficult about this it's it's the thing where you can give Jim Nell a lot of credit for what he's done to help this team get where it is. But the one thing that is that he's put his coach in a tough spot by not simplifying the defensive situation. It's a situation where I think on a, we and I think and it's it's one of those things where I kind of I kind of laugh at it and I actually I ignore answering those. I ignore I guess subtweeting is the word when I see people respond. Like for example, when Stephen Jan, Stephen Johns got sent down to Dallas for, to the Texas Stars. Reading the responses to the Dallas Stars Twitter account was quite comical. Oh yeah, um, and I and I read all the responses about people who who are, who are yelling at Lindy for him going down to the AHL. I think a lot of people forget that Jim Nill makes who's make the decision of who who is or who isn't on the roster. Um, and so we look at these eight nine defensemen, depending on who who's healthy and when it, when it happens. Is you have to you have to look at both. Both sides, where the coach and the GM in this situation. Now, we, you know what, too, and you you said um, that they kind of he didn't help Lindy out by kind of simplifying the situation. This was something that we the writing was kind of on the wall with this for the last three four years. 
especially after they took Honka, is you're looking at because I'm a guy who likes to look at. I mean, not as much anymore because I don't think hockey's future has updated itself in forever. Well, that site will. Uh, that site basically shut down without officially okay. shutting that, down. <laughs> that makes that would explain it then. But um, that was something that as I used someone to look as at as, a lot. as someone who used to get a paycheck from there and no longer does, I can tell you that. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so that's one answer, one question answered. But it was, I was, you know, you always look at the prospects coming up, and it was always, especially, you know, they draft Alexiak, they draft, draft Nemeth. You got John Klingberg was starting to establish himself in Sweden, and they go out and draft Tonka, and you're sitting there, and you're like, man, they got five future NHL defensemen in the system right now. Mm-hmm. How is that going to work with the guys that they already have up there? And, you know, they kind of, sort of answered the question a little bit to that in the offseason when they didn't bring back Jason Demers and Chris Russell and Alex Goligoski. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they didn't trade anyone out from the farm. They didn't play sort of to that, I guess, organizational depth at all to acquire something that could have maybe helped out, like maybe another forward or who knows, maybe a goaltender. Not he- that there was – not that I'm not – implying that there were a trade to be had. But you know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. you're sitting there and it's it goes back to what we've been talking about for the last two months carrying eight defensemen is it's just poor asset management. Well, the other- you have a position of strength. And, and I get that, you know, you don't want to trade, that you like all these guys and not one of them has kind of sort of distinguished themselves yet as superior to the other and you don't really want to trade the wrong guy, so to speak. But... If you're kind, of, you're kind of sitting there, and don't you think it? I mean, I'm not saying that it hasn't crossed, not saying that it hasn't crossed Jim Nill's mind, but you'd think that, you know, maybe you're sitting there, and you, I lost my train of thought. But you know what? I, I basically the whole gist of it is, you kind of let this percolate and didn't really. not address it, but you you know, you let all of them come up at the same time. And now you're looking at a situation where coaches got to try to figure out how to make nine defensemen work into a six man lineup. Well, the other thing that, that you look at, and this is something where I'm not saying it's you, you make the same exchange they made for what, for what they got in return, but there is such a thing as addition by, as addition by subtraction. Mm -hmm. And, Let's go take it. Do you remember who they traded in November 2014? Who did the Stars trade away? Defenseman. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, and you're going to tell me now, and I'm yeah. going to say, how did I forget that? Sergey Gonchar. That's right. They traded away Sergei. I just saw that on Twitter the other day, too. They traded him away. And bring up John Klingberg. Essentially to open up space, and when they traded him away, they traded away for Travis Moen. And I remember at the time when that trade was made, Jim Nill basically said, we need to make a trade so we can have the space for our young kids to play. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not as easy because I don't think you have a uh, – I think, for example, I think Hamhuis is in a better spot, is a better player right now, and was a – what's the right word for this? I think he was, he was playing – but he was more of a – he was something you you when they traded away Gonchar. Gonchar was just making things kind of awkward for how are we going to why is he here? That's honestly what it was. Um, 
Dan Hamwees hasn't made it that yet, but you start to wonder where the guy who, and it also goes into an ego thing for the GM, would you consider trading away the guy that you signed this summer thinking that he was going to be the big part of your defense? Would you cons- I mean, it, it's, it, it, it admits failure in the, it admits complete failure in the trade and, and re and adding depth to your defense from what you did in the summer. But do you, do you, at this point, do you look at and say, okay, what's the market for Dan Hamley's? How do we start to see if we can trade him for a pick, if we can trade him for a, a depth forward, like Gonchar was traded away for Travis Moen, who was a guy who they brought in to basically be the 13th, 14th forward. I mean, as a guy who indiscriminately trades players on NHL 17, I would say yes. But obviously that's comparing apples to computer bags at this point. But, I mean, I understand that point, and your point is probably why it won't happen. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of things, I think that Jim Nill is obviously a smart man, and he realizes that the door for this team to win the Stanley cup is wide open right now. Mm-hmm. And that if trading Dan Hughes makes your team better, I'd say if he can find a dance partner, he's going to do it. I would agree completely. I don't, I don't necessarily know. See, I mean, that's the other tough thing is, is I wonder if I'm in Lindy rough shoes, I 100% would scratch him tonight. Mm-hmm. But I'm still also not 100% convinced that trading him would make this team better. Now, if you, well, and, if and, and let's be honest, we happened to be plugged in like Elliot Friedman and knew what the market was for Dan Hamus, then I could probably answer that question more honestly. But at this point, I can't really say with 100% confidence well, that well, trading him would make the team better. Well, let's let's say we wanted to set the market at. Uh, let, let's set the Dan Hamley's trade market just for argument's sake. Argument's sake only. And I don't, I'm not saying anything is like this in the works or anything like that. But let's say that the Dan Hamley's trade value is at the same, is slightly less than what the Stars had to give up for Chris Russell. Let's say oh, it's... Oh, God. Let's, they got fleece for Chris Russell. They got, take that in a heartbeat. Let's, let's, no, let, let's, let's say, but you take away the actual NHL player. Say it's a prospect and a pick. Um, if you if they were able to trade Dan Hughes for hey. a guy of Brett Pollock's caliber and a second round potentially conditional first round pick, I would take that one thousand times out of one thousand at this point. There you go. Because basing my rationale on this is what's he, thirty four, thirty five years old? Mm-hmm. So you're he's already past the tail end of his prime, I would say playing for a team who likes to play fast, who likes to push the pace. And I get that he's a calming veteran presence, but for this year, you have a guy like that already in Johnny Oduya. Once he inevitably gets healthy, you have guys like Essa Lindell, Patrick Nemeth, and Jamie Alexiak, who are big bodies who should not get pushed around in the defensive zone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, Speaking of uh, Jamie Alexiak, I guess a little side note here. There was a scout for Dallas at the BG game on Friday, mm-hmm. and he was talking to Gordo, and Gordo just kind of half-jokingly asked him, because for whatever reason we were talking about Jamie Alexiak already, mm-hmm. 
he asked him, you're looking for the next Jamie Alexiak? And he said, and I quote, if that boy could play with a mean streak, could you imagine how good he'd be? That's, well, that's, a, that's, there, a, that's a fair and assessment. I, and I thought, yeah, I could imagine. That's a fair assessment, though. Yeah. But anyway, that kind of detracts, not detracts, that kind of goes off topic a little bit, but that just randomly popped into my head. But yeah, I mean, if, if we're said, I don't know that that would be the market, but if, we're, if, the, if that's the hypothetical market, I'm taking that trade 1,000 times out of 1,000. It's, it's amazing to think. And we talk- Even if Dan Hamuse was a consistently a top six guy this year, I would take that because I feel like what you're getting, the, like the net gain from that is still an overall positive because I feel like whoever they put in the lineup mm-hmm. for him just on how he's played this year, there wouldn't be a fall off, a fall off significant enough for me to not say that Dallas wouldn't come out in the net positive in that. Well, the, and, and that's, and we're not saying the value's there. It, that not saying that's what the exact right, value that's is, 100% but that, speculation that's hundred percent, hundred percent hypothetical completely. And the other, but it starts to make the point where you start looking at these eight defensemen, you look how, and this is obviously the big, this is mis- make things more difficult is when you don't know who's going to play well, you don't know who's going to stay consistent, but when the young kids do play well and play consistently, you start wondering where does where does he where does uh, Hamus fit on this team? And it's it's an interesting it's a move that was not a I never thought it it's it's a move that when it initially happened you thought that's oh, not a bad signing that's 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 an okay spot but then mm-hmm. as you start to look at. At that they didn't do anything else. It just added to the complication of carrying eight defensemen. And then Julius Honka, and more power to Julius Honka by coming up and playing and being ready to play, just added Julius Honka came in and turned into a nine defenseman question. So I'm going to circle back to that question earlier. And I think if you're going with six guys right now, and this is, I'm not sure how you make this work, but you want to go through and who do you want your nine? Who do you want your not nine? Good God, no! <laughs> who, do, who, who do you want? Who do you want your six defensemen to be? I'll put this one to you, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Who do you want your six defensemen to be on game one of the playoffs? Okay, so we're assuming Johnny Oduya is healthy. So Johnny, assuming Johnny Oduya is healthy, assuming that guys will learn and go through the season. I Ooh. so I think, and I, I look at it, and I look at with how they've played, and I think. I want to see. I, I think your first pair, is, if it continues to play well, is obvious. I think it's Lindell Klingberg. I was going to say, can I answer this question after Johnny Oduya actually gets healthy? Because I feel like what they do when he comes back is going to signal is going to be a huge tell as to what path they take. That's fair. Because because if he comes back, it's going to completely change. If he comes back and they send down say Julius Honka, that's going to completely change my answer. Yeah, but uh, he, you don't have that opportunity right now. I'm asking the question right okay. now. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> I'm going to phrase it to do. I'm going to, I'm going to answer. I'm going to change the question a little bit because I'm mean. Oh, it's okay. I, I interview professional athletes. They change what I actually asked every day. <laughs> if we're, I mean, if we're talking right now with the line, with Johnny Oduya out, give, cause I feel like it's just a better way to answer this question okay. because I don't know what the hell they're going to do mm-hmm. in a week when he comes back. I mean, I agree that right now, John Klingberg and Essa Lindell is your top pair because and I top mean, and top you, pair you illustrated that very well. Yeah. Why that should be a good yeah. pair together. And and, and and we say top pair. I'm not saying top pair Ryan Suter minutes. I'm not saying right. anything like right. that. It's it's top pair 22 minutes. Right. Then 
I mean, I personally like the righty-lefty combo, so I'm probably after that going to go Stephen Johns, Jamie Alexiak, just because I like the way that Alexiak's played. I think that he's starting to get more confidence now. And, I mean, the talent's always been there with this guy. Obviously, he was a high first-round draft pick for a reason. And maybe, you know, now that he's sitting there, he's played a couple games in a row, he's starting to get confident. He's saying, man, they're starting to believe in me. He's getting more of a routine out there on the ice. And, I mean, it's just not on the ice, too. I mean, it's an everyday thing. I'm sure, I don't know if, you've ever been told anything about this, but I'm sure a guy, I don't know if they do it the same when, when they know they're going to be scratched as opposed to playing, if they change their pregame routine at all. But you know, you get in the lineup for two, three straight games. You start to get a routine down. You start to get comfortable on the ice. I just, I like the way he's played. No, he's, I like he's, he's played well lately body out there in the defensive zone. And I mean, talk about a potentially dominant pair. If they ever figure well, out Stephen Johns and Jamie Alexiak together, those are two big, human beings no those that's a very good potential pair i mean that's a pair where if if they both can that's a pair where all the physical tools are there honestly it's literally it's it's a mental thing for both of them for both john i mean john's let's be honest Stephen john's has not played well lately that's why he was sent to the ahl um he went down to the ahl and with the texas stars he had three goals in four games and that's good but i think one thing i want to say and i want to reflect out there is Three goals in four games in the AHL. Well, that's great. That's great. Sure, he scored scored the game-winning goal in each game. Nice. But there's more to his... Steven Johns is not the guy I care about how many goals he scored in the AHL. Honestly. Mm-hmm. And there was the elements... There, I, heard, I heard basically speaking to a couple individuals who watched from both, uh, from both inside and outside the Dallas organization... There were stretches where he played really well in the AHL, and he obviously channeled that aggression and anger and was upset. Um, and kind of, he ran a couple San Antonio players through a wall. Uh, and then there was, also, there was also times where he didn't look like a guy who's supposed to be a top six NHL defenseman in the AHL. There was times where he didn't have that impact where he'd like, well, hey, this guy is supposed to be better than everyone else on the ice right now. And there were times he didn't do that. So. I really, I mean, honestly, if we're if we're talking pairing of the future and what you'd love to see, Alexiak Johns, if both of them can mentally get it, it's 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 a dream scenario because it's a huge it's a huge defensive pairing. But the question is, can both of them mentally get and kind of both mentally find that consistency for what they need to do? I don't know if they can. I mean, and I don't have, and that's the problem. And no one has any insight to what's inside each player's head. Right. But that that would be right now. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that tomorrow against Detroit, just to see that play out. Um, you also have, you also, I think, I think I really like what Honka's done, and I think Honka, I don't think Honka's ready for an NHL. I don't think Honka's ready for the NHL right now when he play, where he plays twenty minutes a night. But I think Julius Honka is ready for the NHL, where he's a third pairing guy. Who, that my, that would my third pairing, honestly, at this point, would be him and Jordy Ben. And I think that's great. And I think that would be, and that's, and I, I think him and him and I think Honka and Ben as a third pairing and they're playing 16, 17 minutes a night. I think that's where you want Honka to be. If Honka's going to be with this NHL team for the rest of the season, you want him in a spot where he is coming in, he's playing 16, 17 minutes, he's impacting the game offensively when he is, 
and he's not out there the extra five, six minutes a night where he can make the mistake like, frankly, every, I mean, I know people are going to say, oh, he had his welcome to the NHL moment on that turnover that led to a 3-on-0 goal against Nashville. That has happened more times in the AHL, too. It's just like, he doesn't need to be, he's not ready for 20, 22 minutes a night. He's ready for 15, 16 minutes a night in the NHL. And so you need to, if he's going to stay in this lineup, that's the type of role he needs to play. And I think him playing with him playing with Jordy Ben, that'd be a great fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, be, but now that I'm kind of looking at a little bit of a deeper, I don't know how you'd necessarily would work that out because granted it's only three games, but they've sheltered the hell out of Julius Honka so far. Well, th- th- that's my point. Exactly. My point is and then Jordy point- Ben is the guy that they've thrown into the shit. Well, so and- to speak. Mm-hmm. In terms of who he's playing against, where he's starting his shifts, almost fifty-eight percent of his shifts start in the defensive zone. Like that's you yeah. don't want to put a rookie well, defenseman through that. You know, and that's and that's the thing. It's you start to it's that's why this is just such a big puzzle right now. Where you have Honka needs to be in a spot where he's sheltered, and that's when he's at his best, where he can be that guy who is going to make is going to start in the offensive zone, is going to make some plays on the power play. And then Jordy Ben has done a great job with the opportunity he's been given. And I think I think ideally in the long term, we'd like to say, okay, Jordy Ben is your seven, ideally, and, and mm-hmm. in, in the long term, but right now he needs to be in. Um, right. It, it's, I, I think the moral of the story, if anyone who's stayed with us this long, because we've, we've, We've we've rambled way too much. Anyone who stayed this with this long, the moral of the story is Lindy Ruff is a hell of very difficult job right now. And the uh, like I saw, of course, after uh, Florida fired their coach uh, yesterday, which was kind of surprising. And that was, that was uh, weird. That yeah. that whole that whole situation that's gone on with that organization for the last seven months has been weird. Yeah, and so I saw there was a couple people who all of a sudden say, "Oh, well, is is Lindy next?" And I don't think. If Lind, if I mean, if Lindy Ruff gets fired for his defenseman for for the for juggling eight and nine defensemen, then then Jim Neal also has to look in the mirror too because that's right because that's that's the biggest. Uh, he's been the reason that this there they are eight and nine defensemen. He didn't he didn't simplify it and he didn't leave it in a spot where it needs to be. It's I'd like to see them create a spot where. I'd like to. I'd like to hope that next week, when we sit down to record this podcast and we're talking, we can say, "Hey, so and so has won a job. So and so has lost a job." And even with Odia coming back, okay, we even with Odia coming back, we have confidence with who the defense is going to be. And you know what? We they, they may be shopping around Dan Hamus. Now that's an ideal world. Now we could have we could have Jamie Alexiak go out and play a great game tonight. We could have him go and play a great game tonight. He could score another goal. He could have another great game and then all of a sudden he could play terribly against Detroit and and then Lindy Ruff could bury him on the depth chart again it's it's such a crap it's a really shoot. delicate situation at this point it's such a crap shoot with this team I mean it's I mean I'm I'm I, I'm shocked this is gonna be the first time I'm using this pun on this podcast the defensemen are literally skating on thin ice I mean it's <laughs> I hate you <laughs> I mean, it's you can't you can't mess up. While the forwards can have a guy can have an awful game, and for some reason Curtis McKenzie can't get into the lineup. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, it's 
it, it, it's baffling. I mean, not baffling. I know because baffling would be if I didn't understand, if I didn't know why it was happening. It's just, it's mind boggling to how to think about the situation that those guys are going through when they're looking at a forward group where Jason Spezza is one of the worst. I mean, I guess they found a way to demote him to the fourth line. Jason Spezza has been terrible this year and he's been really bad defensively, but there's no repercussions for, for what the forwards have done. I mean, the forwards are living by a different set of rules than the defensemen. That's got to suck. I mean, just imagine you go into your job and you're getting told, and you get told that this group of this group of people is well. You got to live by this standard, or else live by this standard. And I'm sure there's lots of people who are listening to you right now and say, "Well, that happens every day," and it does. But it's I'm gonna once again skating on thin ice, and I'm sorry for saying that again. You literally left me speechless. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Well, I got a fun conversation I wanted to bring up because I saw this just uh, right before we were right before we got on to talk and start recording the podcast. I saw somebody linked to something about the All Star Game, and I actually wanted to I actually wanted to address that for a minute here because um, first of all, Ryan, what do you think of the three on three All Star uh, competition here? Or what they do now. I don't necessarily care about the All-Star game as much as I like the skills contest, but I also am a person who overall just tests All-Star games. Well, All-Star games are terrible. Let's be, I mean, the more... The... Uh, for lack of a better word, the uh, All-Star games, the most entertaining part of me for the All-Star game is actually the skills competition because that's kind of... Yes. That feels like an event you can enjoy and sit back and relax and drink a beer while enjoying. Right. Um, the all the, uh, the fantasy drafts when they're all hammered on the stage. Yeah, but the thing I wanted to talk about it was talk about was the fact that they now are the NHL is now putting in uh, uh, John Scott rules to stop the uh, to stop another John Scott situation from coming to the All Star Game and. I, whatever. I think that was a fun story. I think All Star Games are for the fans. I think people should be able to 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 vote for whoever they want. I mean, it goes all the way back to what was it eight years ago now, where Vancouver fans were trying to vote uh, Rory, uh, which Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Rory Fitzpatrick, trying to vote Rory Fitzpatrick into the All Star Game. Uh, if if you were to look at and so somebody, I think it was SB Nation, put out a list of like, okay, let's let's find a way to, to screw with this uh, All Star system. <laughs> let's let's find guys who will be stay NHL players, stay NHL players, and will have um, will stay NHL players and will still uh, be eligible under the NHL's new John Scott rules. And one of those players, one of those players was, uh, as my dogs are barking, was Jamie Alexiak. Let's do it. I mean, so you know what? And this was a long aside to basically saying everyone vote for Jamie Alexiak to go to the NHL All Star Game because it would be awesome. <laughs> then maybe he wouldn't be the uh, second most famous athletic Alexiak anymore. I'm not going to touch that one, but I'd like to. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one, but I will. I think. I think if fan, we told Dallas fans to go vote for Jamie for the All Star Game and. 
and just left it as a campaign for that and then linked them to vote for Alexiak somehow and didn't realize they were voting for him and not Jamie Benn. I think that's the way this works. <laughs> Bait and switch. Exactly. And all I think you God, get, could you imagine if the if that actually happened that two years in a row, a podcast got You're giving us way too much you elected into the All Star game. Could you're, you imagine you're giving, the brain aneurysm the mainstream media would have? You're giving us way too much credit right now. That's true. We probably have like seven listeners. I mean, and it's and probably six of them are you and I just checking to make sure the audio is okay. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, I did watch the cheese video about fifteen times. So but you got to boost those views. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, it's. I guess you could get all of Canada behind it too, because if you just told if you could, if you marketed it as. Uh, as another victory for the Alexiak family. I think you all of Canada voting behind that. There you go. Exactly. That, that's the only way I'll touch that. Uh, <laughs> other thing that I wanted to mention and talk about this and, and throw and, and throw into our conversation, and I put this out uh, actually on Thanksgiving and got some interesting reaction, was I went through and played around with the expansion draft. And I'm not going to talk about who to protect overall right now because that's an episode we'll probably do honestly later in the season but if I one one factor that is coming to the expansion draft that we since we know the details it's going to be the Vegas Golden Knights who honestly and I know there's copyright issues but let's be honest everyone's just going to call them the Vegas Knights anyway um there no one's actually going to use golden um I hate that they left the loss out yeah He's, I get why Bill Foley did it, but it just sounds awful. Yeah, it's... It sounds like he's trying too hard, to be completely honest. Like, this is slang that the locals use. Like, okay, so let's have the entire continental North America call it Vegas. No, it's Las Vegas to all of you. Well, what is... Not, Thank uh, you very much. Here's the thing I was thinking about, Vegas. What, what, what three-letter what, what three letter acronym is now going to go on, on scoreboards? BGK. Is that what it's going to be? I don't know. Or maybe it, that's true because you can't do loss. You can't do loss. They, he took loss. He, he got rid of I mean, the headline, let's be honest, the headlines write themselves if they lose on the home opener. If it, uh, I'm, I'm already looking forward to it. did their first loss. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, some people, I'm, I'm sure some people already have scheduled those tweets. Uh, <laughs> the, but Hold on, here I go right now. <laughs> but... It's gonna so what? It's got to be VGK on the scoreboard. I mean, I, I'm, 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 uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, but it's gonna it's it's gonna be great when someone goes and walks into a bar to watch a game and has no idea who they're watching, and they'll be it'll be so, so DAL like oh, it's Dallas and VGK. Is this the Veggie Kingdom game? <laughs> it's I I. Everyone's just going to call them the Vegas Knights, and so you know I'm just going to call them the Vegas Knights for the rest of this podcast. Call them the Vegas Knights, that's it. But when you throw the, the funniest tweet I saw was someone was like, "Las Vegas Golden Knights is a mouthful. Let's take out that first word." All right, Vegas Golden Knights. No, wait, not that one. Too late. We already made the T-shirts. <laughs> I don't remember who tweeted that, but yeah. I saw that and I laughed for a solid 15 seconds at it. Well, in the video, I mean. I didn't watch the unveil, but I heard it was. Oh, it was a clown show. It was a uh, it was a snafu in every sense of the world. <laughs> um, 
But to get back to my uh, original point, which I almost forgot, <laughs> was one thing that, and you can go and check back on Wrong Side of the Red Line for the story and the mailbag on this when I was talking about who I would protect in the expansion draft at this moment. And, and that can change as the season goes along. But one interesting name that comes into play is Valerie Nichushkin, who the Stars would have to protect if they wanted to keep him in the system. Um, I mean, obviously, if Vegas didn't select him, but I, but I look at it as George McPhee is picking an NHL roster. He's picking 30 players. He only needs about 25 to actually play in the NHL right now. Oh, and, yeah. And if you're going to tell him that, hey, you can start to stock your system and you can have this 20, uh, 21-, 22-year-old Russian kid who was a first-round pick and if gonna be, is looking for a fresh start, I think he would be an easy pick for, I think, honestly, if he's left unprotected, I think he's the player Vegas would take from Dallas. And that's obviously... Oh, unquestionably. And unquestionably. So, and so, if you're the Stars, and I don't care what other NHL player it is, do you protect Val Machushkin over a player who actually is currently on the roster? I don't care who yes. it is. Yes, 100%. Because... I guess I should justify this. Yes, please justify so, this. So you're you're talking about at this at this point. I know he's technically not considered a prospect because he's already played two NHL seasons. To be fair, I but class I, I classify him as a prospect because of you should, he should be he should if you're looking at top prospects, he should be reclassified as a prospect in the sense. I mean, boy, he's still 21 years old. Mm-hmm. He's basically. It's basically at this point like they just drafted him out of Russia and they left him play in Russia for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it is at this point because if he comes back, he's going to come back at 23 or 24, which is when most of those, as we talked about like five weeks ago, is when most of those guys come over here anyway at about that age. Mm-hmm. So, he's basic, so it's basically like you're, you're going to say you're going to leave your number two or three prospect unprotected for them to pick because when you – like when you look at it the way you just described, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. he's not, you're not going to. I don't think anyone still has an idea how George McPhee is going to build this team because I think it's pretty much commonly accepted that the list of available players now is going to be completely different than the final list because there's going to be so much jockeying in the meantime well, for teams to try to get to a position where they're left to expose the least. Um, the least attractive options possible. And there, and for example, I mean, just one biggest thing out there, let's be honest, there's no way that Pittsburgh has Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray and leaves one of them available. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, no. that's, that's the thing about it, because everyone, Fleury has a no-movement clause and has to be protected. If Matt Murray's available, he's the starting goalie for the Vegas Knights next year. So it's, yes. so there's... 110%. So a lot has to change from between now and then. Um, yeah. So, but if you're sitting there and I mean, I love Antoine Roussel as a player. I love Brett Ritchie as a player. I don't, I read it. I don't remember who, what the final determination I, came down to. I, if we're looking, if it's between Antoine, I think I remember, what did you say? It came between Roussel and Nachuskin? I No, I came, I, I, I agreed or with you. I, 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 I protected Nachuskin. I went, I had my first five and you can go read the article for my reasons and I'll, and I'll put the link into with the podcast here, but my first five are Spezza and Ben, who you have to protect. I mean, you're going to protect them anyway. Yes. Then you protect Tyler Sagan, which is obvious. Obvious, yeah. Then you go and you protect a Cody Eakin. 
Yeah. And then you protect Radic Fox. So those are my first five. And I think those are all pretty obvious choices. And, and, we're, and we're only talking about forwards right now. Mm-hmm. Um, then six is where I, and then my sixth selection is where I protected Nichushkin, and then that came down to Richie or Roussel as your seventh. And 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 I agree with that because mm-hmm. you have. To, I mean, there comes a certain point that I mean, if we're if we're basing this just based on what they've accomplished in the NHL, you're going to take Roussel, and then I'd probably take Nichushkin over Richie still. Mm-hmm. But you also have to consider that you're protecting also for potential, because as you said. George McPhee is going to have his pick of 30 guys. You can't carry 30 guys on your NHL roster. You're going to have to figure out how to get a guy, well, and, get and, a couple of guys who are not, who are waiver exempt or who are on two way deals or whatever. And, and that's where you get a guy who's playing in Russia that you don't have to worry about for a couple of years. And, and honestly, he's the perfect player too, because Nutrition is the perfect system player for Vegas to pick for this other reason. I don't know when they're, I don't know if they're, I don't, and we, I haven't seen enough details on this. I don't know if they're going to have an AHL team next year. That's one less player he has to worry about assigning to the AHL. Yeah. I mean, because I don't think they're going to have an AHL team uh, next season. I think it starts the year after. But even if it's, it's just, it, it works so well where you're looking at raw, you're looking at potential, you're looking at a guy you can, if he's available, if he's available, I think Vegas takes him. And that's why you agreed with me, and I'm going to continue to defend my point that the Stars are going to protect, they're going to protect Trushkin. And, you have the other the other parts of the, the other parts of the expansion draft. I think if you leave, I think if you leave Roussel unprotected or Richie unprotected, I think there are options. But and this was before he was a healthy scratch tonight, and before he was a, uh, and before we talked about possibly trading him. I think the other guy who and who could be a viable option for Vegas is they look at Dan Hamhuis as a guy who they could who they could nab because he was a one-year contract. A guy, he's Dan Hamhuis looks like a player who could be spend one year in Vegas and then be let go after one year since Vegas probably let's is not going to be I know they talk about how they're going to be competitive, they want to be competitive, but they're probably not going to be a real legit contender for two or three years. Right. And he's a guy, if I'm Dallas, I leave unprotected because, as you said, he's got one more year left on his deal. They signed him as a stopgap guy to get to the next wave. Agreed. But and- if we're talking about that next wave, that maybe that learning curve got accelerated a little bit by bringing up Julius Honka, so maybe Dan Pam uses not a guy who has a place on this team next year. Yeah, I agree. Um- that would be a very easy way to kind of, you lose the Dewey to free agency and you let, well, here's another question. What if Vegas goes out and signs Patrick Sharp in then, their exclusive negotiating window before the expansion draft? Then you don't lose anyone. Then you're not losing anyone. I know. I know. Here, the thing is, I know. I mean, you're still losing someone because I'm sure they'd love to bring Patrick Sharp back. But Vegas has gone. I know McPhee has said there would be no drawer deals, where there would be no deals where we're going to sign a guy and then we'll wait to officially announce the signing until after the expansion draft so we can get more players. I think it's. I believe that he has good intent, but if if you could be in negotiation with a guy, and then the guy says, "Well, hey, I want to talk to everyone else as well," and then comes back to you, I think things like that are very possible for those not actually happening before the. Mm-hmm. I think the only way that, uh, for let, let's let's say say George say George McPhee wants Ben Bishop as his goalie. Let's just say that, who Ben Bishop will be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, those, that's the type of guy who would be signed before the expansion draft. Well, here's another thing. I saw an expansion draft the other day that had them taking Tyler Johnson. 
Do you may well, I'm pretty sure he's an RFA. So, I mean, I think he'd fall under the exclusive negotiating window thing yeah. too, but he wouldn't. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I don't remember if it was, if it was just UFAs or if it was it, UFAs it, and RFAs. It's, too. it's UFAs. RFAs are still protected. Okay. But is that something you maybe roll the dice on saying, Hey, or if you're, you know, you're talking to him and he seems interested, do you say, all right, well, we're going to see how this goes, but we want to take another guy. Like there's so much, there's so much stuff that can go on and it's so fascinating to think about. Oh, it's, it, it, it's, it's no really, idea how this is going to play out. It's really interesting. I mean, it's, I mean, you think about, and it's a different expansion than before. Like you go back to uh, when Nashville entered the league and a lot of people won't re- no realize this, but David Poyle's first pick was Mike Richter. Mike Richter obviously never played for the Nashville Predators, but he went back and re-signed with the Rangers, but the Predators then got a compensation pick for it. Like, the Predators went and tried to game the system completely when they came into the <laughs> league. No, seriously, they, they, they went and they tried to game the system completely. They picked a bunch of guys who they knew would sign with their old team, but they got but, they, but those team, but under the old system, they got, comp, they got compensation when those, team, when those players signed with their old teams. So, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I'm actually kind of... I'm kind of bummed that there hasn't been an announcement of how we'll be able to watch this live because I think, and I don't know if there's a good way for us to be able to watch this live, but it would be fascinating for them to do something where we can see just to see this, to see like this 24 seven behind this. Yeah. I'd, I'd love, I'd, I'd love to see that. Um, I wanted to circle back on something. So I had, uh, and, Damn, the Golden Knights need to get on that. Their marketing department, oh, they, that'd be a huge oh, completely. advertising boon. That, I would watch the hell out of that. Oh, uh, yeah. Circling back to Nishushkin real quick, I, we talked about how you got to reclassify him as a prospect. Um, I had him in my, uh, in my most recent top 10 prospect rankings, and uh, shameless plug right here, which you can see the updated rankings come out uh, on Wednesday this week in the most recent issue of Dallas Stars Prospect Insider, only $3 a month. Shameless plug. Um <laughs> Back to, uh, <laughs> I had in my top 10 rankings for, which were most recently updated in September, right after Traverse City, I had, I had put Nachushkin as fifth in the star system. Um, I had him as, I had Honka at one, I had Gurionov at two, I had Dickinson at three, I had Tufty at four, and I had Nachushkin at five. And honestly, it was kind of one of those things where probably should have put Nachushkin a little higher at the time, but I just had probably, he, we had just kind of figured out that he was leaving things like that. Right. And we're like, and he, you add, adding a guy into the rankings and excited about what I'd see, heard about Riley Tufty and seen of Riley Tufty and probably, he'd probably be ahead of Tufty right now. Who's a, still a young kid. Keep that in mind, but a guy who's still trying to find his way in the cotton college a little bit longer than you would have hoped. Yeah. Now we're not, Breaking down Riley Tufty's game, we're talking about Val Nachushkin right now. Um, more of the story, I think you have to protect him. Um, another thing I want, another thing I wanted to uh, talk real quick, talk about before before we go, is you take a look at the Stars team, and there's if you're going to look at December starts what Thursday? I think Thursday is December first. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit, and it's not even it's not even debate him. It's just give him credit for it. Is I think the biggest success story of this Dallas Stars team through, and we didn't even give him enough credit last week when we talked after the twenty game point of the season. It's Adam Cracknell. I mean, you you take I think you take a look at this team, and Adam Cracknell was a guy who many people thought was going to be an AHL player. 
I did. I thought that as well. Um, but he's been one of their positive players. I mean, the other day, I mean, he's been playing on the four, he's been playing fourth line center with Jason Spezza on his wing. So, <laughs> uh, and that's a, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm trying to pick out, pick out some kind of success story before we, uh, before we go today. Oh yeah, that's definitely a good one. He's been a fantastic signing. Oh, it's, been, it's been a great sign. It, season. it was it was a no risk high reward signing. That's what it was, honestly. Yeah, it was. I mean, he was the guy they ex- definitely I think expected to kind of just be a bridge AHL NHL guy that you can play if you need to. He, and he was going to be a, sure needed him. <laughs> he, he was going to be a more physical version of Chris Mueller from two years ago. That's what he would have been. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So, well, as we said before. We're recording this about an hour before the Stars play St. Louis, so we don't have the result from that game. Um, but the defense, as we rambled on, if anyone made it this far, is still a complete crapshoot. It's a tough job to pick to pick six guys out of nine right now. That's which really what it is because, and he's not getting much help with doing it. It's something where Ruff is being is in a position where he has to pick from a bad it's not a bad hand it's it's a it's a hand with no there's not a uh there's no solution that he, he can put together he can't put together a lineup without somebody somewhere whether it's media whether it's fans whether it's even the players somebody questioning and saying well he should have played this guy instead of the other it's there's a tough spot um and we've i don't know i think we should we re, i think we should just rename the podcast like like ninth defenseman or something like that but <laughs> i mean it's i'm okay with that <laughs> the ninth defenseman podcast that overcrowded blue line i don't know it's That'd be a great name for a sports blog overcrowded blue line there you go we're giving out free ideas here send send royalty checks to uh the ad- <laughs> send send royalty checks to the address listed below with that we'll let you go everyone have a uh Thanks for listening. Have a hope you all had a belated happy Thanksgiving, and we will be back next week. And I'm sure we'll talk. We'll be speaking then about how the stars can juggle ten defensemen and are all of a sudden deciding to skate three lines and twelve defensemen a night. <laughs>